Bandwagon Nerds is taped in front of a live studio audience. Again, fellow basement dwellers, this is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Back after a two-week hiatus where I helped the lost children of Massachusetts find their way onto their <laughs> college campus and successfully move in. Gentlemen, last Saturday, while I was working on this campus outdoors... In a negative 30 degree wind chill day. I wished I was with you. I did. I wished I was in the podcasting booth getting angry at all the rules that you would inevitably be breaking that Sunday if we were doing the show. Uh, as it was, I, I, I had to work. And so I, I did. I suffered. I suffered. Vocally, I didn't suffer in silence. Like I let everybody know about it. I was like, "Fuck you all." It was really cold outside. There was there was no there was nothing for it. Basically, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I did get. I mean, somebody thanked me. I guess like my boss's boss was like, "Good job," and I was like, "Pay me more." And they were like, "No," and I was like, "I hate everything." But we're not here to talk about how miserable I am. We are here to get back on track with the bandwagon and that '70s project, our television countdown. We are on our third category, family programming, or as one violent gentleman has put it, nothing but cartoons from him, which, fine, it's his list, and let's start there. Let's welcome the bandwagon in. We, um, we only have four of us today, no Ray Cash. Uh, I guess he wasn't ready to face me after, after two weeks of, I guess, freedom, you know, so Ray... This is for you. Could have just shown up. I think Ray feels uncomfortable doing 70s lists. He probably does because, you know, he has to look it up and then put things like Lassie on a family program, <laughs> programming list, which the fuck? Or was it Gunsmoke or Bonanza? We put one of those Bonanza. on there. Oh, Gun, Gunsmoke and Bonanza. Never mind. <laughs> In his drama list, but uh, it's still not as egregious as uh, Fantasy Island and the Low Boat. But you know, yeah. just me. <laughs> Those voices you are hearing, actually, outside of the Violet Gentleman, we haven't heard Aesop, Aesop yet, but you have heard David Ungar, the lawyer himself. How are you? 
Welcome back. I feel like I just podcasted with you. Yeah, it seems seems like we may have just spoken in a few minutes ago, but uh, hey. Talking about Welcome. sad hockey trades for the St. Louis Blues. Yes. You know, things like yes. Welcome back to the bandwagon, Pat. You know, as, as you noted, the bandwagon continues to grow. Everybody wants on, hence... Oh no, we'll get we'll wagon. get to that. In a, you're skipping ahead into the agenda. There's a whole bullet. The only person who knows this bullet is PC Tunney, who is also here, Mister Saturday Night. How are you uh, this Sunday morning, Super Bowl Sunday morning? I, as I'm we thrilled record. to get. I'm thrilled to finally get started recording the show because that means all the things I needed to get done this morning are officially done, and there was a lot of them. Right. Well, you know, you set a deadline for folks to get you things. And then we don't always meet expectations, do we? Oh, Aesop? no, that was fine. That was fine. He was good. Plenty of time. I sent it at like quarter after 10. I also <laughs> by, worked by yesterday. Tony's four, four beers in and three I, eggs in by that no, point. How I'm do you know you, you can count on that? You're getting the one. You're getting the upper 1% of Tony today. No alcohol consumed during this show. Wow, wait a minute. This show's going to suffer for that. What are you talking about? Really? Anyway, okay. Hey, how are you, man? Teetotaling Tony. There you go. Okay, we'll, we'll go back to we'll Aesop. You seemed a little defensive and, and worn out. What's that? What's that? <laughs> oh, I'm I'm definitely worn out, but I don't know. Microsoft Word processor was having a, a fucking meltdown. Word process. I look. I'm just. I'm. I'm trying to multitask right now because I uh, I do teach comedy, and right now I am in the process of. Uh, sending out my midway point like emails, so I'm trying to do this on top of that. On top. But did of you say that. you were? Did you say you were using a word processor though? Just to uh, copy and paste something to like. Is save. this 1992? Like, what are we doing here? What's wrong with Microsoft Word? Oh, the program Microsoft. I thought you were saying word processor, like you, those old school, oh, like Jesus, not quite no. computers. I said like, Microsoft to start. Like Microsoft yeah. made word processors. I don't know. Aesop's using I that figure, say and spell sort of thing to help well, him out today. A, chi- a child really of Aesop's age sketch. probably has never even heard of a word processor. I know what a action. word processor is. I'm old. I'm as old as everyone else on this podcast. We are all ancient. Are we, though? No, you're not. You got a ways don't to go to me, catch me, buddy. Don't make me call you out. You're like more than ten years younger than everybody on this podcast. Yes, yeah, you say like, that. But as I have downstairs autographs of every last Golden Girl, and on top of that, what uh, movie posters of like Errol Flynn as Robin Hood? I'm old. Also, Saltwater Taffy is good. <laughs> Okay, you should go put your teeth in, man. Good lord. No, I, I, I specifically eat that so my teeth fall out. That's did how. You use, did you use some fixident to get that shit his, in there so that it stays his, and doesn't move for you? His pockets are full of Werther's originals. Very nice. Okay, very nice. But I, I do have those, so that they're that's, that's, free. Those, that's outstanding uh, to help the diabetes. He's got the beatus. He's out there with Wilford Brimley. By the way, David Ungar, you should disconnect and come back on the call, my friend, because uh, your weird grin is creeping me out. Yes, like it's, it's frozen. <laughs> it's it's like it's like the Joker that scene in in, in, uh, in the Dark Knight when the Joker is doing that weird. There we go. He's gone. Okay, he'll come back. 
We are going to get to it, though, today. We have a loaded show, of course, as usual. We are recording here on Super Bowl Sunday. I am excited for what I hope will be a, a good game to watch. Um, but I have not been on the show for two weeks. And this usually means that, that i got to air some grievances. We are, we are going to start by saying I'm, I must be getting a little soft in my old age. Because, you know, two weeks ago... You uh, you had a guest on DJ. Uh, you might recognize DJ from other such podcasts, like I don't know and really don't care. Uh, wow! Chair <laughs> shot radio <laughs> network asshole. The mindless wrestling yes. podcast. Now you can make fun of them. Oh no no no! I I, I make fun of it for the spot. By the way, I did forget. I did forget this. By the way, you are listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where they remind you, we remind you, to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. And as we record on this Sunday, happy birthday to Mr. Christopher Platt. I miss you. I can't speak for the rest of the bandwagon, but I miss is you. It really is. Is it really his birthday? According to Facebook, it was. Oh, sweet, good. Thanks for uh, <laughs> thanks for helping old me catch pe- that. I, I won't old get people like old people like me don't podcasts. keep track of this shit. Right, old people like me. That's how I know when people's birthdays are. Like, I, like I'm terrible about it, but Facebook will tell me if you're stupid enough to tell Facebook. So, and most of us are. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so I listened to the last two, you know, these last two weeks of the shows. Um, you know, DJ from the Mindless Wrestling Podcast did jump on, uh, showed off his nerd cred. Every opinion he has has his back. Um, just you know, Zack Snyder loving Fifth Element, forgiving, just Star Wars apologist. Though he does not like the rise of Skywalker, so he gets a point there. But he hated on Last Jedi, and fuck you for that. But I really. Honestly, I couldn't complain too much about the show outside of Dave and who else was it? You, 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 what character was it that you guys could not? I take said Ray of? Park, and I met yes. Fisher. Relax, Ray Fisher. That wasn't my. That actually, that one was less egregious than Dave, who. What who you got? You didn't even get the right. Ray Fines, Ray Fines. I I got them all. You, said, you called him Voldemort, right? And I was like, <laughs> what, "What are you talking about? You're talking but, about DC Universe." But in my defense, I was Fiennes. the one who realized who Ray Park was before anybody else. So you went with a white British dude when referring to a black guy. It was outstanding and terrible. You know. Uh, by the way, if you if you guys want to play Hogwarts Legacy, get it illegally. Thank you. That's my my little pitch. <laughs> this, of course, please, this Aesop did you. pick up his PlayStation Five from a thrift store, so there you go. Well, I, you know, I also I also just don't think that that woman should get another dime of my money. Uh, well, that's what I said illegally. I, I normally don't endorse that. Get it illegally. And the, and, and the chairshotradio.com does not endorse any illegal activity in any way, shape, or form. But prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot does. You can get your own nefarious means t shirt. That's true. That's true. And that nefarious actually means as a Harry Potter character, right? 
spend a, spend a few extra dollars on that nefarious means. I just got a text from the, I just got a text from Greg DeMarco wanting to disclaim what PC Tunney just said, but okay. <laughs> nefarious means is Why? the title of Aesop's porn. Thank you. All right, so this conversation has gone poorly. My bigger airing of grievances, though, has to come from last week, um, in which I, I will allow. I, I'm, I'm going to start with my own cell phone, and I'm going to boo myself. Because I was complicit. I, I, I was complicit in saying, whatever, I don't care, do a sports draft uh, on bandwagon nerds. Uh, I allowed it, so I'll own that. And then I listened to the show and was like, this isn't really this, what we do uh, on the show. Like, now, if this had been on, like, I don't know, maybe my podcast, Aesop's podcast, <laughs> it would have made a lot of sense. Uh, ultimately, I, I have no problem with the content um, other than I hate greatest of all times. And I'm going to talk to you a little bit of why I hate greatest of all times. That's can I ask, no, no, no. This is my my moment to speak, and I, then you can work on your rebuttal. He has a pedestal. I just, I just have a let him step on it. Ask, ask the question. What did you and Greg talk about on the Greg DeMarco show this past week? <laughs> besides, we, besides occupational wrestlers. We talked about why greatest of all time lists are stupid because I oh, talked about how I didn't oh, like that we did a greatest of all I time. I just heard list a bunch of guys that you were qualifying as the greatest of all time from different eras. So that's what I heard. No, but greatest of all time is a very specific statement that everybody uses and talks about GOAT. And this and what what drives me crazy, I actually was talking about this with Dave when we recorded uh, not the greatest of all time thing, but uh, a book I'm reading that I really, really enjoy. And if you are a baseball enthusiast, I, I would strongly recommend you take a look at it. It's a really long book. It's uh, 834 pages long, but so is it, it is a book. Would you fucking relax and I'll tell you the name of the book. Tony, stop making faces. I'm building it up. I'm working on it. Jesus Christ, you're mouthing. What's the name of the book? I hear you. Now the grievances are aired. Now we're getting them out. Anyway. It's a book by a guy named Joe Posnansky, or Nansky. Um, it's called The Baseball 100. And what he did was it is basically his, it's his 100, a list of his 100 kind of greatest players in the history of baseball. Through And he's a historian. He's been through it a long time. And, uh, and it really is kind of this like history of baseball sold through its greatest players. And so it's not a ranking per se. Like I was trying to explain this, like, he doesn't say this is the 100th greatest player and go down to number one, though there is a little bit of that. But like, for example, he even says in his introduction, Joe DiMaggio, he puts it number 56 because the number 56 is indelibly tied to Joe DiMaggio. So why are you rolling your eyes, Ace? Huh? Like, because he did something that made sense? Corny. Okay. You 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 tell bad jokes for a living. I don't, I don't know what, what you want. No, no, no. I tell dad jokes for a living. There is that too. Anyway, <laughs> when you do a greatest of all time list, and this, yes, was absolutely something we talked about in the Greg DeMarco show. I, I find it really hard to do kind of the draft that you guys did to draft like the ultimate whatever, because football, sports in general, but in wrestling too, that's why it came up in the, in, in the DeMarco shows we're talking about for the show. And Grace, like, this is going to be our topic. 
I, I'm much more willing to talk about greatest of an era or of a of a of a period versus greatest of all time because of the way and nature of of a sport changing and evolving. And there are very few players I think that you can argue could play in different eras. And it's really unfair to a player. And the example I use, the greatest player, football player of his era, um, was at his time was Red Grange, for example. Red Grange, galloping goes, played for the University of Illinois, went on to play for the Bears, was like the greatest running back of his era in like the 20s or 30s or whenever it is he played. Red Grange would would not have been a professional football player in, in 20-whatever. Quarterback. The quarterback position is so different now than it was then. Uh, you know, pocket passers or, or guys, like, guys weren't expected to throw it. The fact that the Jets threw like crazy under Joe Namath was, like, unheard of when Joe Namath was the quarterback of the Jets. And now, like, you throw and you run uh, as a quarterback. So... That's that's my quibble. It's why I love the projects that we do and that we do them in decades, because arguing over the greatest television programs of all time or movies or whatever of all time, I think is a challenge in and of itself, because a lot of what we're going to talk about, they are products of the time that they that they took place in. Like, And I think this this is particularly true. We as we've looked at the 70s uh, and that 70s project with I, I can't like we some of the shows of it like mash definitely is a product of its time. I know when we get to comedies, it's going to be a product of its time. Cause like, I already know my number one comedy, it, it was very, very relevant to, to the world that they, you know, that we were living in and experiencing. Now that doesn't mean that some things are timeless or ageless, but I do find it very, very challenging in that, you, you know, calling anything greatest of all time and um, whatever. It, I just, I don't like it. I like it. so that's that's it for my grievances though really like I don't have like a big laundry list um, other than you know uh, I hate Dave's face or something today yeah that's uh, that's what I got wow just silence thank you for complaining about the greatest of all time because I 100% agree with you um, in all fairness though I. <laughs> I apparently did not understand what the hell we were doing last week. I was ready to come. Aesop didn't understand the assignment. Well, no, I was ready to come in with the best fantasy players of all time. And I was, as I told them afterwards, I got Jamal Charles on my list. Who's definitely not (laughs) cracking anyone's greatest of all time. But yeah, like uh, it was, it was fun though. I had fun uh, and Tunny got pissy. So it was very fun. We, we did we did talk pissy. for an hour just about, letting it all wrong you were we did talk oh, yeah. for an hour about dc before we even got to that so it was the first half of the ray program park. the first half of the program outside of you not knowing who the fuck ray fine played <laughs> and who ray park is you like darth maul versus cyborg by the way both of you picking white dudes just outstanding work well, in all fairness, Ray Park, Cyborg, yeah. Ray, Park, Ray Park is always wearing a mask, so I have no clue what he looks like. So that's true. Or, wears, you know, yeah, face paint. Yeah, he wears face paint. Yeah, or he's cool. snake right. It's like you just don't know. So one of the other things that we are doing today, we, we have to talk about this today, uh, because next week, or actually this coming week, Ant-Man Quantumania is hitting theaters. And we are introducing a brand new segment to 
the bandwagon. And that is a segment that will be known as the Deadpool. And in putting this segment together, I put out a call to the nerds. I, I got on the nerd signal and I was like, I really would like to have a sound bite of some sort to do as an intro for this program. And Aesop actually answered the call first and was like, well, I'm not doing anything. Uh, but then later, you know, a DJ who was like, I can do it and then never did it. So strike two, DJ. That's, that's strike two. Um, Is strike three gets kicked out of the Twitter chat? Well, if he if he keeps promoting Zack Snyder versus DC projects, he, he might get kicked out of the, the chat. I'm not sure. But anyway, uh, but others did answer. the call. Actually, all three of the bandwagoners that are on this program answered the call and provided a potential soundbite to use. That's right. PC Tunney provided a suggested soundbite. David Ungar provided a suggested soundbite. And Aesop Mitchell provided a suggested soundbite. And I was like, well, what do I do? I should have a qualified judge, an impartial voice, a young nerd who is more connected than the older nerds like myself. Listen to the soundbites and make a decision. And so, gentlemen, today, like you, Holy on the podcast, we will him have... Pop, him popping out of the green screen, like, scared the hell out of me. <laughs> the little O'Dowd has been selected as the judge, and he is going to, on this podcast, declare the official winner of the Deadpool soundbite. So I'm going to take the headset off. I'm going to play all three sound bites for the little O'Dowd. Are you paying attention? I want to make sure you understand the rules. So you're going to get the headset. Come up, come close. I'm going to give you the headset. I'm going to play all three options. You will then, after you've heard all three options, declare a winner, and you will explain why the selection you chose was the winner. Understood? Are, Are you we ready allowed to plead our case? Oh no. No, he's going to listen to him straight up and make his declaration. That is that those are not the headphones. You do not get to use my Spider-Man Mickey Mouse ears. And now you're kicking things. You okay? Oh, no, he did. It was an accident. It was an accident. Come forward. <laughs> are you ready? Are you ready for the headset, sir? Yes. Turn your head. All right. Say hello to everybody. Hello. Hello. All right. Yo. We are going to play all three of them in succession. Little O'Dowd? Here is option number one. You will die alone. He dies. He dies. If, I mean, if you could die. A good death is its own reward. Ideally, for others' sake. That'll do. Die on the day! What you need now is a suit and a nickname, like Wade the Wisecracker or Scare Devil. Mr. Never Die. Ah, shit. What? I put all my money on you, and now I just realize I'm never going to win the uh, Deadpool. I like the way you die, boy. Little O'Dowd, option number two. Very handy in a tight spot, these lads. Despite the fact they're dead. Ghost is dead. Dead me. No, they're all dead. They're all dead. Dead to me! He told me you killed You're dead meat. <laughs> I'm glad you did. <laughs> dead. 
You're welcome, Canada. And finally, option. Who among you still fears death? What's wrong with you? I say you, he did. You will die alone. A dead meat. And all that I am is dead already. She said that every living creature on Earth dies alone. I've been dead once already. Dying ain't much of a living, boy. Death is a natural part of life. Death comes for us all, Rokusaki. Death is but a door. Time is but a window. I'll be back. I don't understand why people have to die. Wee, wee, wee. Okay, the little O'Dowd, you have heard. And I've taken the headset away so that there can be no arguing from the other nerds. But little doubt, you have now heard all three options. Do you choose soundbite number one, soundbite number two, soundbite number three? Say it into the microphone so they can all hear. I choose soundbite number three. Thank you. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Soundbite number three has been Sounds like you and I should have just submitted a soundbite that went... At the I end, we it, probably would have won as I well. I will say this: What's amazing to me? Congratulations, Aesop! You get yeah. the wee wee award this week. What hey, I man, find amazing, favorites, and it's clearly one of the best sound bites in the entirety of guys, the three of them. Guys, do you realize there was no repetition between the three of us on those sound bites? That's amazing. I, I really am there, impressed. There by was, that. There was dead. I mean, there was dead. One of them, one of them's told a story. The other two were just kind of flashy. You know, no big deal. You're right. This is what I love. I love. I love love passive aggressive, Tony. I love like that's fine. You know, it's fine. And I'm sober too right now. And I'm sober. I'm the only one who had Flash Gordon, Pat. I'm the only one who had Flash Gordon. Did have Flash Gordon? Well, then you got that's got to be Ray's favorite out of the three. Then you did have Ghostbusters. Uh, Here's the thing: is the judge has spoken. There will be no. There will be no fighting his power. I respect the judges. Tell, tell little O'Dowd he gets a free ASAP shirt when I make ASAP shirts again. You, you get a free ASAP shirt when ASAP makes a shirt again. You picked his to win. So That's this play is the for guy. This is, this, they've gotten rid of this in radio years ago. ASAP should be suspended. No. You know, uh, a thorough, thorough investigation will show. my territory, damn it. A thorough investigation will show that there was no untoward bribing of the judges and it's my show so deal with it all right thank you little o'dowd for your participation on the show say goodbye to everybody goodbye all right <laughs> as he fades out fades into, as he fades into craven that, that kid's great. got a future I don't, I don't feel so good mr stark <laughs> <laughs> And with that, let's get to our first ever edition of the MCU Deadpool. Who among you still fears death? What's wrong with you? I say you, he did. You will die alone. A dead meat. And all that I am is dead already. She said that every living creature on Earth dies alone. I've been dead once already. Dying ain't much of a living boy. Death is a natural part of life. Death comes for us all, Rokusaki. Death is but a door. Time is but a window. I'll be back. I don't understand why people have to die. Wee, wee, wee. Winning part. I, the winning part. The winning part right there. <laughs> it wasn't the winning part. The <laughs> you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna leave an impression, leave a strong impression to end. Okay. So I've thought long and hard about how to do this because like 
Deadpool implies that like everybody's going to put in a name that they they pick, and then somebody would like win. Uh, win like that's what a pool is. Like you you jump into a pool, you you pick a name or whatever. Like NCAA tournament pools and stuff like that. And so I do want to I want to establish. I think this is going to be more like an odds makers show or an odd make odds maker segment for us, as opposed to each of us picking somebody who who we think is going to die. And the reason why I think that is because. Um, I don't want anybody to be forced into taking somebody they don't believe in. Like, I don't want somebody to be forced into picking a character that it's probably pretty clear as day isn't going to go. And so, you know, with the four of us, what I figured would be good with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Pantomay, we've started to see Marvel deaths, right? Like, we've got Tony Stark. We've had Marvel deaths before. We started to see more significant characters go down with, you know, officially Tony Stark, the vision kind of now there's a white vision running around and, and that sort of deal. Um, Aunt May in, in, um, in no way home. So we're starting to see characters that sort of have some more impactful meaning go down. And I just get the feeling we might lose another one. And, and there's just a chance we could lose another one in these, these outings as we move forward. Hell we lost two in, uh, in Wakanda forever technically because we finally officially killed off black panther and we lost queen ramonda so ant-man and the wasp quantum mania i'm going to go around the room let's put out first just our suggestions of who we think could die i'll go first and then i'm going to operate it clockwise from my screen so it's going to be me tunny Aesop, and dave you'll go last one name of someone you think will die I'll uh, I'll start with uh, I'll go first. I'm just gonna say Scott Lang. That's that's my that's my first suggestion out the gate. Tony, do you uh, know the characters well enough to pick one to die? <laughs> oh, how about Hank Pym? Okay, we're gonna come back and talk about why or not. So are, we are only picking one to be clear. Yes, right now from from this movie. Okay. Right? I'm going to take the more surprising approach then. I'm going to take Kang. Oh. Did you think okay. Because reasons. We'll get into them yep. in a minute. Dave. Uh Janet Van Dyne. Janet Van Dyne. Van Dying? Is that or dying? Yeah, you could say that. Basically yeah. Van, Van Dying, Dying, but I'm Chang. Speaking of dad dying. jokes, Jesus. Jesus wasn't a All joke. right. That we know. So, I know. Let, let's go. I want to go with the intriguing option first uh, that, that got brought up because that just surprised me. Aesop, why why Kang? Is it because you think it's a variant? The time traveling aspect of this movie is leads itself for me to believe that Kang is surefire to die in probably multiple fashions. Uh, I apologize. I have a fucking loud ass train going through, but. Uh, yeah, I, I have a feeling that we're going to see some type of time traveling deal where Kang is constantly seeing himself dying, you know, in different uh, different realms and uh, multiverses and such. And that that is what makes me say that he dies. We obviously know he's the big bad going forward. Totally cool. So we know he comes back. But in this movie, I think still think he dies. Cool. And I think that makes a lot of sense because there, everything we're 
we're hearing about is multiverse, multiverse, you know, times, you know, he can unravel everything. So something big is going on. Dave, you picked Janet Van Dyne. Why did you pick uh, Janet Van Dyne, Michelle Pfeiffer? A uh, couple reasons, I think, story-wise, killing her off. She's the one who knows the most about the quantum realm because she was down there all those years. So she is probably the biggest risk to Kang as far as a knowledge standpoint or whoever else is going on down there. Also, like if you watch some of the Michelle Pfeiffer interviews lately, it kind of has a it, it feels like maybe she got killed off. She's not showing her cards, of course, but I get the feeling just listening to her. Okay, she might have been a casualty of war. Um, you know, we'll talk about Tony's pick in a minute. I don't think it's Hank because similar reasons and some of the stuff he said. But um, so so what you're doing, like you're using insider baseball outside of the movie and what's being presented in front of you. You're you're following the actors. A little now, bit. I didn't say you couldn't do that. A little bit. I didn't say you couldn't do that. A so. little bit, but I think story wise, you know, if you look at all the players involved, I mean, Aesop's. I think Aesop's <laughs> right that there's a very a variant of Kang got killed off, but Janet knows the most. If Kang's going to get rid of somebody, it's got to be her. Look, Why am I hearing sorry, garbage Dave. cans in center field? Do to, to Dave's credit. If I had to place a surefire bet on who'd be dying for me, I think Janet Van Dyne's a hundred percent dying. I don't know how oh. she makes it out alive. I, I will. I will share that I. I, I also avoided Janet so that someone else could pick her. Tony, Dave, Dave shat all over your pick. Why? What, what, what do you say to that, man? Well, I mean, if you think about the history of the first, very first Ant-Man and his, you know, very much known for his family values, maybe he sacrifices himself in the quantum realm to save his wife and daughter. So, you know, I, I can, I can, I can, I don't need the, the garbage cans in center field, Patrick. I, I can just read what pitch is coming next. That's fair. That's fair. And Scott, like, as, as we start to get into some of these, these resets and, and characters before, like he's. He's been Ant-Man for a while now. Now he seems perfectly content and happy doing it. Um, and, and so it doesn't necessarily mean that he won't. Plus, Paul Rudd seems to have that, like, I don't age thing, which is weird. I mean, I don't know what. That's what it is. I know. I mean, I'd make out with him. Um, he also makes, know. like, butts on people's phones with picture, in a picture. You ever see that? Dave, Dave, you okay? You would make out with you wouldn't make out with Paul Rudd? Yeah, I'm, I'm really? a, you know, I'm a one man man. So it's Henry. Yeah, Cavill, right. you, Henry, you know, Cavill Henry Cavill or nothing. I mean, Chris Evans, like he's hot. <laughs> he's the sexiest man alive. Like, Hashtag sexy Scott Lang. Hell yeah. Scott Paul Rudd was sexy. Paul man Rudd, alive he once. won this year. Or yeah, last he was year, just, last he year. was just sexy. Man like, come on. Get in a sex sandwich with Paul Rudd and Chris Evans, man. Mm. How, how could you not? How could you say that? Man, take off your pants, man. <laughs> What podcast are we listening to now? I don't know, Tony. I don't know. Things got a little weird. Things got a weird. Okay. So Captain we are the Vegas. Fox. What? Oh, sorry. <laughs> we are the Vegas odds makers. Okay. We are the Vegas odds makers. We have to determine the odds of these characters dying in Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania. Let's roll them out there. We'll start at the top. Scott Lang. What do we think? We got to come to a consensus. Odds, Scott Lang dies in Ant Man of the Wasp Quantumania. 2,500 to 1. 100 to 1. 2,500 uh, to 1. I was saying 500 to 1. 500 to 1. So we've got 2,500, 100, 500. So we kind of, what if we split the difference, get it down there in the middle? Maybe we do like 1,000 to I don't 1. Know, like, 
thousand to one seems pretty low is what we're saying yeah all right what about the creator of the pym particle the original ant-man hank pym i'll stick to my same thing same i'm gonna say 500 to one let's see 500 to one you think it's pretty low 300 to one i'll I'll go a little lower than asap 10 to one (laughs) 10 to one tony's feeling tony tony's tony's feeling those odds are pretty pretty uh Pretty, pretty strong, pretty much uh, a little bit stronger. I, uh, I think I go, uh, I lean more towards he's not likely to die, uh, but I could see it in the scope of the story um, that there is a way that Hank Pym doesn't make it out of there. Uh, so I'll, I'm going to add to it a little bit. I would say somewhere in the range of around maybe like 100 to 1. Uh, and, and so I don't know. What do you guys think? 100 to 1? 200. Where do you, 200 to 1? We kind of oh, hit one, the middle one, again. 150. 150? All right, 150 to 1, Hank Pym buys it. By the way, we are not putting this on any sports book because we haven't started the Chair Shot Radio sports book yet. But when it does, you know, you too could win no- Bitcoin. Nothing. We'll give you Bitcoin. <laughs> nothing, nothing, which is be- Bitcoin. Nothing is better than Bitcoin, Tony. <laughs> a no, like, a no guys- prize. We'll give, them, we'll give them a no prize to, to follow up in the, in the grand tradition of Marvel. For those of you who don't know. It's a copy of in- Morbius on DVD. Yes. <laughs> on DVD. <laughs> not, not even Blu-ray. Not even Blu-ray. Nope. Laser disc. Not even Actually, you know on laser disc. You should, there you go. You should take that Blu-ray or DVD and put it in to a uh, DVD player hooked up to a TV with a VCR on it, record it on the VCR, and then give someone the VHS tape. I can 100% do that for someone. Oh, you can. I could, too. And, Actually, I will, and, and I will and, draw on like the VHS, like how I feel about it. It'll be like a, a, like a scene from Morbius on each one. So they'll all be different. Very, and very nice. About all right. as much as a copy of Morbius. Collector's is. item. Very true. All right. Next we have Kang, the conqueror himself. Aesop looking at a loophole within the plot structure as a variant going down. So maybe not the Kang, but a Kang or the Kang coming yeah. back in time. And sort of fighting it off. So I'm not sure how uh, I feel about it. So I'm gonna go fifty to one because I, you know, fifty to one. Yeah, I'm not sure if it, it's like for sure a thing. I'm not feeling super confident, but I would think it's the odds are pretty good. AK Tony, what about you? Two fifty to one. I don't know. Is the does anybody got to die? Can I? Can I? What are the odds that no one dies? Not well, impossible. Modoc oh. dies. Dave. That a Kang dies ten to one. Well, ten to one. Well, and I was going to go about twenty-five to one. To be honest, like I, I think, I think that's, that's a good one. Twenty-five to one is good. We've already seen, and in fact, we've already seen a Kang die in Loki. Um, just not the Kang, just a Kang. So uh, I'm going to go with twenty-five to one, and because it's my show, I'm going to write that down. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine I'm, with. Six. I'm good with I, that. I was thinking thirty initially, and then I. Thought to better play it on the safe side, but I'm glad I'm glad you two feel uh, similarly, Tony. So, so I actually think uh, the strongest chance to die two to one odds, Janet Van Dyne, and one one, one to one. one. So you you get zero payout from Mesa. I go, is, here's, go two no to one. Pay. Two to one at least is here's kind the, of interesting. One to here's two the other odds. thing. <laughs> Motherfuckers, can I can I get my talk out? Can I can I come up a minute? No, no, I get you. 
Yeah, because y'all so excited to kill off Janet Van Dyne. Here's the other thing I wanted to talk about when we brought up Janet that I didn't. That Marvel has shown a pattern in their phases where there's kind of a level of theming involved uh, underneath the story that they're telling. There was a whole dad theming one where like everybody had dad issues. You know how many mother figures have been killed off already? We've already killed two. How many what? Mother figures. Oh, okay. Figures, not not motherfuckers. Motherfuckers. We just mother figures. We've already lost May. We've already, like I said, we just lost Queen, Queen Ramonda. Uh, now, Janet Van Dyne hasn't been sort of the matriarch that these other two characters have been, but that is a thing that happens, it seems like, a lot in Marvel films is they kind of have this theming going throughout. And so that to be also as well as the storyline reasons, I think gives it a good opportunity to say goodbye to Janet. Yeah. It's not necessarily a mother figure, but you know, we also lost Natalie Portman too. Uh, so hashtag Marvel hates women. They kind of do right now. Yeah. Kill all the lady folk off. Um, Natasha. So we've got, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> really, really hates so women. Dave, what, Dave, Dave, I didn't hear you. Were you a one-to-one I'd go two to one just to make it a little bit of a doubt, but there's no doubt, Dave. There's no doubt, and you know it. I know that you can't. You can't even say it with a straight face. Yeah, like just to create right. some doubt. You already know she's I'd dead. I say, yeah, wonder <laughs> she's dead already. One to Look one. Look at him talking you out of it, Tony. Your weird muscle flexing. Him, I'm just gonna say Stretch like seven hundred to one. Be like, do people have to die? People can't right. be just all get along, huh? <laughs> for for Dave and Aesop, we will go one to one. We are saying here on Bandwagon Nerds, Janet Van Dyne, come next week when we talk about Ant Man and the Lost Quantumania, we'd be talking about a dead Janet Van Dyne. So rest in peace, Janet Van Dyne. You are the first winner of the Deadpool Janet on Bandwagon Nerds. That's right. All right, and we are going to <laughs> and we are going and we are going to take that and shift into our first commercial break now. We come back and it's time to resume that 70s project and talk about our top 10 70s family programs from the decade. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network on the chairshot.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. All right, everyone. Welcome back. We, I've missed this. I've actually, I'm really, I've been really looking forward to break, for being back on track with that 70s project, guys. And um, so I'm a little sad that Ray can't make it. Um, 
you know, not being a child of the 70s, I understand. Uh, but we're back at it. Family programs. Dave, how many rules did you break this time? None. I went back Are and verified sure? everything. Well, I mean, one is Eight. multi-decade, but it's equal multi-decade. So, hey, there you go. Tony says, I, I says I'm little... in the clear, man. Hey, at least I didn't put hey, Gunsmoke hey, as a family show today? like Ray would have, you know. You know, people, families did really gather to watch Gunsmoke. Yeah, they did. They no, did. No That's true. That's true. Aesop, what about you? Did you break any rules today? Uh, I broke my own rule um, because I was fully prepared to come in and just give all cartoons. And then upon looking at the cartoon list and kind of analyzing it, I will give you a reason as to why that uh, got changed up once I get to one of my picks. Um, cool. But yeah, I, I, like realistically, I it was impossible for me to give just cartoons. And um, I'll again, I'll get to it later. But yeah, absolutely. And so everyone, just as a reminder of the rules with that 70s project, we will go in an order. This week's order is Aesop, Tunny, myself, and then Dave, as I try to keep this, I've been trying to rotate it um, was, yeah, I had this great rotation with all five of us the first episode. And then like episode two, Aesop and Ray couldn't make it. And now episode three, Ray couldn't Ray couldn't make it. So I've had to like sort of finagle it. And so somehow Aesop is going first, I think for the second time on the program. This this um, happens to me a lot. Right. And not not complaining, um, just saying. <laughs> but yeah, we um so we we will have an order there. Uh of course, if somebody has it on their list higher than the person that's announcing it i am just going to tell you i know who gets skipped ahead of time for a change so no need to raise hands i'm just going to tell you you've been skipped and move on to the next one with a nod to pc tunny to play music when it's time tunny also because he told me knows when people get skipped and don't get skipped so we're simpatico for a change we're on a, a shared wavelength it's going to be very very exciting here and the jews um, are out on an island again okay it's true i actually have a fenced in area of the podcast i'd like you to go in and um wow. as your own shot oh i got dark i got really dark <laughs> yeah. uh, we're gonna put know, some jews in a fenced oh, in area of this That's place it. somewhere Jesus, Pat. Um, i'm actually i'm actually german patrick so knock it off yeah, it's, it's getting I'm, worse I'm by the german, second so man. Like, uh, <laughs> you want to brand us uh, while I'm you're also, at it Pat? i'm also Just, a you know. blonde-haired blue-eyed like this I'm, week anyway. on Bandwagon Nerds, World War Three. This is, this is the last episode of Bandwagon Nerds, isn't it, guys? Like we're <laughs> we're airing it right now. Like this is it. Um, other rules to be be of note of them for for the most part, if a show is to qualify, it has to have aired the majority of its time during the 1970s decade. However, if it is a multi generational show that has spanned decades upon decades, those can count. Uh, as there is an argument to be made as to why that show is put in there. Uh, and then it's always, as always with this, it is our list. As much as I give Dave a hard time about his selections, that's Dave's list, even though he doesn't understand when the 70s begin and end, and he lived through it, so you would think he would know better. Uh, you, you can't forgive it, and it's you know, you, nothing you can really do about it, so... We'll just we'll just persevere. Just let, and let it on. go. Let it go, Pat. You don't have to put us in a fenced-in area. Just you let go. There. I'm just saying. Does anybody give a goddamn about the rules anymore? Market zero. 
And with that, we will start our family programming top 10 list. Aesop is going to go first, but he's not going to go first because his first choice is higher on someone else's list, which brings us to our next pick. How apropos the first show on this list announced today is the classic TV show from the 1970s, Family. A little bit more of uh, some adult storylines, but it's about a family and they attacked a lot of different things. I think in the first season or second season, she walks in on her husband having sex and, but they attack like um, homosexual uh, storylines as well. So go back and check out family from the late seventies. You'll notice a theme here. This is a story, a TV show about a family. I kind of ahead of it up, as you like try to promote family you are casually snickering in the background uh <laughs> who is i'm not you yeah you were you're like this is a tv show about dave was laughing i just uh pc tunny with the most on the nose selection for his for his first choice today have you um, have you ever seen an episode of family or did you just pick it because it's called family I think you'll notice a theme here of not only <laughs> not only what what I so have that's on my, a no. but Aesop <laughs> not me for no reason. All right, well, we'll, we'll let Remember you. Remember who we'll, the hell's we'll, in we'll, this show, man? Anyway, more on that later. We're now to my oh. turn, and we're going to skip my turn and move on to Dave. Dave, your next choice will be. Yeah, Aesop, I think you had this on your variety list, The Electric Company, uh, which was, yeah, a great family show. They showed this in schools, The Adventures of Letterman. Letterman was the bomb. Some early stuff with Spider-Man. It was fantastic stuff that they, I think they're probably still showing it in schools. But yeah, Electric Company, way one of the best family shows of the 70s, and it didn't involve walking in on somebody having sex with not your spouse. So there you go. That's what I was snickering about, was that it was really a family show. (laughs) Nothing says family like adultery. Well, I mean, uh, it's true. It's true. It's time it attacked contemporary traditional family, you know, realistic problems. reading the Wikipedia page. (laughs) Oh, Oh, jeez. All right. Dave, (laughs) back-to-back choices for you, sir. Donnie. From among all others, by the immortal elders Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, Mercury, Billy Batson and his mentor travel the highways and byways of the land on a never-ending mission to right wrongs, to develop understanding, and to seek justice for all. In time of dire need, young Billy has been granted the power by the immortals to summon awesome forces at the utterance of a single word. 
I mean, come on, nothing says seventies like traveling around in a Winnebago turning into a superhero, man. That is that is Shazam in its in its high point, man. <laughs> a never ending a never ending battle. It was. Like, and in very it, much seventies. Very much seventies. I mean, this is where a lot of people first got introduced to Shazam from this show, but then then they upped the ante when they added ISIS and it kind of morphed into this Shazam ISIS power hour. Man, yeah, it was it was one of those it was appointment viewing in the 70s when you were a kid shazam and then isis not shout out to isis later on so yeah okay shazam Uh, Shazam. all right uh we're skipping me again uh, out of context conversation dave talking about how much he likes isis great yeah, yeah uh, this is different, just, different this ISIS. is not a good different show. Different ISIS. Okay. ISIS. <laughs> this is a dangerous, dangerous show. Uh, <laughs> I'm next on the list. We're skipping me. Tony, can you please get us to our next selection? The next pick is Eight is Enough. A 1970s family out in Sacramento, California, maybe reminds Dave of where, you know, uh, what it would have been like to grow up in California instead of on the East Coast. I think you grew up on the East Coast, right? I did. This was in my drama list. So, yeah, I, I remember eight is enough very well. Dick Van Patten for the win, Dick baby. Dick Van Patten. Yeah, plays a newspaper columnist raising eight kids. So another show about a family and what kind of things can happen with a family, especially yeah. when there's eight kids, because I would say that's more than enough. They just left the adultery out. Otherwise, it's family all over again. I am uh, i don't know if you meant to do it, Tony, but I'm, uh, I appreciate you for putting eight is enough at number nine because there were nine members of the family. Yes, that's exactly what he was planning. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he sat down while looking at the Wikipedia pages of what the shows were about and, and went, you yeah, know, I'm going to run with that joke. I like that joke. Uh, Aesop is next, and yet he's not next because he is once again getting skipped both his second and third selection. In fact, we just, we're, we're on our number eight, and myself, Tunny, and Aesop all getting skipped. Back to David Ungar. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Bill Cosby issues notwithstanding, uh, the the Cosby kids and the Fat Albert show, that was, uh, sure, it hasn't aged that well. I would probably be the first to admit that. But yeah, there were always some some good life lessons. And I mean, a 70s show with all black kids. I mean, you just didn't see that in the 70s. So it was right. It was trying to trying to break some racial barriers in throwing out some stereotypical shit along the way. So it's a mixed bag. But yeah, it was one of it was one of those shows that, you know, it was one of my favorite shows. The guy who had this the, the hat over his head, you never saw his face it's like, is he a luchador? What's going you on? You know with that guy? Uh, do you know that uh, Stefan Diggs dressed like that character on his way to the um, uh, playoff game with the Bengals, I believe? Did he? Yep. <laughs> that's yeah. cool. So Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids was my number nine. So that's, that's, that's why I got skipped earlier. Here's the thing that I, I love is that, and most people, like Bill Cosby's stand-up routines, he used to talk about all of these characters while growing up on the streets of Philadelphia, you know, or in Philadelphia as a kid. Uh, and so all these characters were based on real people. Like Old Weird Harold was a real person. Um, Fat Albert was a real person. And the original Fat Albert. Yep. Uh, I used to love 
uh, the, the street football sketch or a uh, bit that, that Bill Cosby used to go back and listen to straight, uh, uh, street football. That was the one where we talked about playing street football with his kids. Uh, the, the original uh, Old Weird Herald sketch is just great stuff. All fun to listen to. And that got translated into this children's show in the 70s. That was played in syndication for quite some time. Uh, Bill Cosby notwithstanding and the terrible person that he was later in life. He, this well and probably at the time too but like his childhood um, is is a terrible <laughs> yeah is a terrible well he's basically dead um but anyway fat over and the cosby kids was a great great show so good choice dave and then congratulations we're finally going to skip you on one all right because your number seven skipped that brings it to me <laughs> So, the 1970s and 60s, Hanna-Barbera animation was just fucking everywhere. And I can't explain why I love Jabberjaw, other than it's a shark that spoke like Curly from the Three Stooges. And that was hilarious to me. Like, I couldn't, I just, like, I couldn't find that not funny. Like, Talking Shark, and Hanna-Barbera cartoons in the 70s, it was always, like, some weird creature with a, with a gang of teenagers that, like, hung up with him. And the creature could talk, and that was the whole thing. And we'll get to this later in my list, too, and I'm sure a lot of other people's list, with a really, really famous gang of teenagers and a talking animal. But, yeah, the freaking, the, the Hanna-Barbera, Hanna-Barbera animation... You know, from the from the sixties and the seventies, like that was that was where it was at. And Jabberjaw was one of those characters I just couldn't get enough of. And so it was number seven on my list. USA Cartoon Express used to have all of those all the time in the mornings in syndication, and that's really where I watched most of them. Yeah, Jabberjaw was my number eight, um, mainly yes. because I couldn't stand that cat in Jabberjaw and uh, <laughs> I forget was it was her name like Maxine I want to say yes. those two were so insufferable that I it, like it got bumped down a little bit but uh, yeah Jabberjaw but you're supposed to hate them they're the Miz of the show I get it the cat is really fucking obnoxious and the, it was, it was it, go away heat is that what you're saying it, yeah it was like it, it had like the gross remember like the intro to Tom and Jerry where like Tom yes. would be in the middle and be like, Rear! but it was like three times more annoying. And it happened throughout the entirety of the, of the half hour episode. So that cat oh. sucks. Um, but <laughs> I, I always enjoyed Jabberjaw. It was very weird. And they, they did it differently than a lot of the other ones that clearly, uh, Pat, we are on the same page about, um, right. cause Jabberjaw was, wasn't just focused on like the same mystery. It ended up being more of an adventure to it. Like it had some, yep. some more like C lab slash Johnny quest elements to it that uh, I always appreciated. So yeah, actually I love Jabberjaw uh, and, and we'll hold it fondly in my heart forever. And that'll move us up to Tony. <laughs> That's right. 
The setting, a Depression-era family in the Virginia mountains. The story told from one perspective of John Boy. We're talking about the Waltons, folks. Can't do family TV series of the 70s without the Waltons. I love how literal you have been with this category. Like, like, li- like every single selection will apparently have a family. I'm stunned. I get it. No, I, I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool with it. It's your list. It's your list. Good night, Tony. Good night, Patrick. Good night, Good night David. <laughs> Come on, you know you want to. Hi, David. No, I don't. Go ahead. Oh, <laughs> I'll do you know you know Doesn't get a good night, <laughs> assholes. Good night, Aesop. <laughs> good night, Sop Boy. You would have gotten a good night if Dave played along, but Dave didn't want to play. So now we're going to go up to Aesop and skip him again. <laughs> So it's just not his day, but you do get to give us your number six. I do. Wow. You do. Wait for that music. Yes. Mr. Rogers neighborhood. Uh, my God. I completely forgotten about this show and the fact that it's a seventies, uh, you know, TV show. I, as soon as I saw it though, I had to put it in. Um, Fred Rogers was the fucking man. And there is no one in this podcast that is either on or listens to can deny that Fred Rogers was so important to people. And, he had a mythos to him, right? He is the the family version of Chuck Norris in a sense. You know, the people that are like, oh, yeah, he wore those sweaters because he had tattoos and he, he was a, a fucking military sniper. And he, all he did was kill, you know, like Krauts and shit. And you're like, what the hell? No, that's not true, people. But he's still just so fucking important and whether or not you were seeing him or you were going to the land of make-believe, you know, and following trial uh, trolley and all that also was great. And I honestly, I hold a lot of praise for shows that create spinoffs and, you know, you get some l- much later on, but Daniel's tiger's neighborhood is also pretty fucking rad. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to show some pretty love. Fucking rad. I'm going to show some love to one Fred Rogers. Hey, meow, meow, pick meow, meow, ace up, meow, meow. Yep. <laughs> the, the thing that I think, he's a really fascinating human. So, like, there, there, are a few people in the, there are a few people in the world that you resent because you just know that they're better than you. Um, but any resentment that is pushed towards Fred Rogers is a resentment because you know that they are better than you. Like, people can't believe that that man really was who he was and his show. It was so, it was so interesting to, to think about how it, it basically was just about validating children and what they, you know, the world that they were experiencing and their thoughts and their feelings. And, you know, he had, you know, I think there's so many like famous tunes and uh, that came out of there that, you know, what do you do with the mad that you feel like people, you know, remember that song very, very well from his show. Um, but it was never, it was a children's show that, that didn't talk down to children. Uh, you know, he was 
always just very, very respectful to his audience. He was very, very intentional um, with the content of his program. He came back out of retirement to start doing the show again in the 90s because of his feelings about where programming was going and that it was shifting so far into the land of just entertaining children. And he felt that that wasn't good for for children and what television should do. And he's largely the reason why PBS didn't fucking die. Um, because he famously went to before Congress, went before Congress to defend public television. So and the, he, he, he's a great choice. The, the world needs a Mr. Rogers in pretty much every decade. Yeah. Right. You know, like well, I, you, how, I don't know how old he was when he passed. You can easily say though, it was too soon. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was, it was, it's a loss. Like it was such yeah. a loss. He was 74 um, when he, right. yeah, you needed more. You just needed more from him yeah. and wanted to, you know, take every last bit of his kindness. I, you know, and, yeah. And and unlike Bill Cosby, his reputation was never impeached. He was always Mr. Rogers. You know, he nothing there's never any dirt on him. He was the quintessential family man. There's family right there. Well, yeah, I I've read enough of his biography to know that he and his son had a very strained relationship for a long time, but it was because his son was the son of Fred Rogers. And that put a lot of pressure uh, on, oh, sure. on his kid sure but yeah, yeah like no does, scandal like there's no like big scandal involving fred rogers does, does anyone else like have that that fucked up mind where you keep waiting for something to come out about like fred rogers and how he liked hookers no like i i just th- i think that's going to happen because you know don't 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 ever meet your idols right but like fred rogers is just so untainted and that is so tremendous and i i get so yeah, nervous it's, because it's, everyone else has ruined it for me february no 27th he's been dead will be 20 years february 27th so there you go so he i nothing's gonna come out about fred rogers that dude really did he walked his walk uh and it's very well documented so sonny we're gonna move on to you and your number six sir Run, run to Michael Lane, David. Run, go. Hug your father. Fall, fall down Michael. the fucking hill. Fall down the fucking hill. Fall down. <laughs> My Ace number six is a little see. family show called Little House on the Prairie about the Ingalls family. Aesop got the pox and now he can't see because of the fever. No. No. I'm sorry. Dear Lord. <laughs> There's not much to talk about. Welcome. We've covered this before. We covered it in our dramas. Yeah, it was very it's nice. It's a great family. We covered the, we covered family. we covered my number six too. <laughs> About family, more family. Uh, Tony, are you just doing this as an homage to the Fast Ten coming out? Uh, the trailer coming out this week? Maybe. What's a Fast Ten? <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, apparently, that's all we're going to get about the Angles family. Let's move on to my number six. Please and thank you. Thank you, please. As your body grows So I do believe Aesop put this in his like 
various or miscellaneous. Somebody did seven. I think I ended seven. It's also Dave. Oh yeah, it's my six as well. Dave six. Oh, so it's our six. Excellent. Um, yeah, I know we talked about this on a previous episode. I feel like variety. Aesop had it in his variety episode. That's what it was. Um, but you know, so I don't know that there's much more that we could say other than so many of those tunes were like just are, are forever embedded in our brains. Uh, yeah. Conjunction Junction, How Bill Becomes a Law, all those, all those songs. It's I'm just a Bill, Pat. Come on. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm good. You hurt me. Do you want me to sing I'm wounded. The, number four, the number four song uh, from? No, Bill? but I need, I need, I need to do, I need to um, do something with the mad that I feel. That's that's what. Uh, let me do something with the mad that I feel. There we go. We'll do that. Oh, there we go. The mad that I feel is gone away. Thanks, Fred Rogers. I appreciate it. Everybody's getting their feelings hurt. Maybe there's too many people with soft feelings and fucking wrestling. I'm going to keep playing that Uh just because. No, I don't care. I mean, I can also just mute you. So there's that. Um, Anyway, that'll do it for our first six of family shows. We will take our second commercial break. When we come back, we'll start running through our top five. You will get plenty of other television families from PC Tunney, I am sure, animated programs that changed Aesop's life, and I'm willing to bet some friends that are super from our good friend David Ungar. Before we head to our recorded commercials, though, I do need to remind you that if you love what we do here on the bandwagon, if you love what we do on the Chairshot Radio Network, you just love us, then the best way to support us is to help get our name out there and get word out about us by heading over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot and investing in one of the many shirt designs we have available. We have, as previously mentioned on this podcast, the Nefarious Means shirt. We have a Bandwagon Nerd shirt. Support us. Rep our brand, damn it. We rock. We're awesome. And you're catching it every single day of the week. And we love getting support from you. So ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Shirts are only $19.99. Or you could spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. You'll feel great on your giblets. Your body will thank you. Anyway, we love doing this for you all. We love getting your support. And the best way you can show it is head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shop. When we come back, our top five family films of the 70s, you're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chair Shot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Apparently I did not say TV shows. Therefore not pleasing Aesop films. It was put on film. Sure, Blu-ray. Eventually. Anyway, let's get to our number five and skip Dave. What do you think? Should we skip <laughs> Dave? Yeah, we're gonna skip Dave. Skip Dave, um, and we're gonna go to my number five, which I am stunned that this is, I'm the only one that has it. Marshall, Will, and Holly on a routine expedition met the greatest earthquake ever known. Oh, maybe maybe it got skipped. Is yeah, that, it got, did it get yeah. skipped? Oh, okay, it did. Okay. I think we all had we all we all had it. I think I was like, how? Ace up at ten. I had it seventh. Eight and Dave had it seventh. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, there you go. So I had it the highest on my list because I love the sleaze tax more than you guys do, apparently. Um, but let's talk about a show that, like, it ran like four seasons, not even four seasons, like, what, like two seasons? Um, the Land of the Lost, but was like in syndication forever. Yeah, 74 to 76 was the original run. Um, though it did get remade in the 90s. But Jurassic, Marshall called fans, Jurassic Park, right? Right, that's what it was. Well, and the but, movie that Will Ferrell did, right? Right, Will Ferrell. That movie was terrible, but so was the show. Part of the reason this show was so great is because of its hokey charm. It's stop-motion anime, animation uh, dinosaurs, you know, silly guys in rubber costumes, green screen, just terrible green. Like, even the even the uh, the opening sequence with the canoe or the the river raft, sorry, the river raft going down the waterfall, and it's like, ah, in front of a, a clearly... I just a, watched. A, right? It's just <laughs> horrible. And yet... I loved this show as a kid. I loved it. And it was in syndication forever. It used to run all the time into the eighties. It was great. And I was enamored by land of the lost. So that was my number five gentlemen. You all had it on your list. Your thoughts. Yeah. And it was about family, Tony. Story about a family. (laughs) God damn it, Tony. (laughs) I'm glad to see you took the, took the uh, assignment so seriously this week. Very much so, sir. Uh, I enjoy Land of the Lost. Um, and I now I realize why it's higher on your list because uh, I believe we have talked before on how your feelings towards stop motion animation. Uh, Pat. I do love so, me some stop. I do love me some stop motion animation. Yes, and I as Don't as think. do I. Uh, but uh, I will say I do fortunately own a very rare uh, Slee Stack figure. So. Very nice. Um, I'm I'm very happy to be one of those nerds. So, Dave, any thoughts on the Marshall family? Oh, I love Land of the Lost. I, everything you said about it, Pat, was was 100 accurate. It, it was it was 70s cheese to the maximum extreme, all the way. But the story was good. It was about a family, you know. And 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 what was the one? creature chaka wasn't that the name of the uh, the creature? yeah chaka and the, the little like monkey thing yeah 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 exactly and they always kind of being in there in the middle and, and trying to you know help them out and, and you know not get in too much trouble but i i think you know i i haven't read anything about it but i can't imagine that the guy all kidding aside the you know spielberg had to have been influenced a little bit by land of the lost and that cheesiness and to say hey let's do it right and then bang you get jurassic park you know so um yeah, it was it was a great show. It, it it's it is quintessential seventies family entertainment all the way, every last bit of it. Wasn't it part of the, like the Croft Power Hour or something like that? They had this. I don't that know. sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, I I seem to remember it being lumped in with all those other shows. Yes, Chaka though, for for the record, was part of a race of people known as the Pacuni. Pacuni. Good bless you. Uh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, love, love me some land with a loss. All right. Tony and Aesop are getting skipped for their number six, but we have a full slate for our not, not six for their number five. We got a full slate for your number fours though. So, t- uh, Aesop, you'll kick us off after Aesop hits your music. <laughs> Oh, 
Yes. I love me some uh, Subaraya Productions and Ultraman. Now, I, I know it originally debuted in 1966, but that was in Japan. Uh, it didn't come to the U.S. until the 70s. So I I don't know if that is necessarily breaking the rules, but I went with it. It would have um, been on my list if I thought that way, man, for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Ultraman is so fucking rad. Uh, and I have always been enamored with that kaiju factor, uh, you know, whether it be something like Ultraman going to Godzilla, Kamen Rider, eventually something like Power Rangers. I literally watch every season of the Power Rangers every year. No, you know, so that includes all the old ones to the new one that they drop. It takes like three months and it's insanely painful. But uh, a big part of that is something like Ultraman, which is the Power Rangers of the 70s, man. This thing is so cool. Uh, the costumes that that are uh, created for it, you know, between the Ultraman themselves and the monsters. Uh, holy shit. It's just so cool. The tokusatsu uh, superhero genre is something that I'm surprised more people don't get in, into because to me, it's the coolest. This was one of my absolute favorite shows when I was a kid. This one was on in um, Aesop. You might remember Johnny Sacco and the giant robot. That was now that's yeah. a 60s show. But man, those two were on and it was like kind of the similar sort of thing. But yeah, this show was it. When I was a kid, I mean, it was like on every afternoon and just, you know, he'd pull that thing out of his chest and point at the sky and bang, 50 foot Ultraman kicking the shit out of everything in sight. Right. And oh, dude, Ultraman. Oh, go ahead. I, I, and, and I know when I was younger watching them, especially Ultraman, though, I was doing the the mirroring, right? Like as a kid doing the exact same fucking moves that Ultraman was doing to whoop ass on some, you know, monsters. That is the, like the type of influence that it had to be. And now, now I just get my ass beat like the monsters uh, with the wrestling that I do. So should have a new finisher <laughs> called the Ultraman Aesop. There you go. I wish. Ultraman. I, the, the other thing that's kind of great and worth appreciating, uh, is that it has continued to have different iterations and like has continued to be something that is produced even today. So good choice. Well done. Uh, and a lot of people's first introduction to Japanese animation. Still good today. Watch yep. it. Tony, it, it is your turn. Um, hope everything's going okay on the production in there. You looked a little worried. Yeah. I had just a minor mishap, but I think we're good to go right now that's right not getting hustled not getting bustled this is the story of a lower family <laughs> it's a story of a family but it's a story of a black family living basically in the projects. They didn't call it Cabrini green, but it's implicitly so. Um, so you do get that perspective uh, of that part of culture from the seventies. In addition to it being one of the most uh, noticeable catchphrases of all time by, you know, 
uh, young JJ uh, in Dynamite. And then, of course, it is the first spinoff of a spinoff ever in television history coming from Maud, which came from All in the Family. But most importantly, it is a story about a family. Oh, Eddie, why did you hit Jimmy Walker in the lips? I liked good times. That's 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 what I got. That's how I'm going to contribute. Um, would have thought that was a sitcom, maybe a comedy, but I don't know. What do I know? Just, you know, just making more room for next week, Patrick, or two weeks from now. Sorry. I was like, that's a, a good times is an action show. No, no, no. You know what? And it I haven't really talked been. about all. I, obviously, my list is all family shows about families, right? And family, but family. I. I there's some of them I took from comedy specifically to get more comedies in in two weeks. I thought about that very much so in making this list. Fair enough. All right. I, I'll, I'll let it go. Um, on to my number four. Heaven's hilarity. This is it, sports fans. Participants even. Television's greatest array of stars. Laugh Olympics presents the round the world triple team competition between the Yogi Yahoo's. The Scooby-Doobies and the Really Rockies. The players are on the field, in the stadium even. So let's get on with it. When I was a kid, and again, I'd like to thank the USA Cartoon Express for keeping this thing going in syndication. I was dumb enough to believe they were keeping track of how these teams were doing in the Laugh Olympics. And it was always like... <laughs> I want to know how it's going to end. Ah, but funny. it was so Laugh Olympics was it, it was a it was like 20 some episodes in like 1977. And it was basically the Hanna-Barbera Hanna All-Stars doing goofy ass Olympic sports for your entertainment. You all heard the great Snagglepuss doing the introductions. Um, and, and yeah, you would have these, you know, classic. Hanna-Barbera characters competing against the bad guys. It was basically, you know, in the in the same vein and the great tradition of things like Wacky Races and other such Hanna-Barbera mashups. This was another one of those for one season, Laugh Olympics, and never got tired of it. I never got tired of it. And it would just be like, oh, this is the one where Grape Ape squashes Dick Dastardly and Muttley while throwing a javelin. Like that would be the shit that you and it was just it was goofy it was great I loved Laugh Olympics it's my number four. I'm uh I I got caught up for a second because I thought at first that wasn't Snagglepuss uh, I thought it was Funky Phantom which is definitely the exact same character just uh, obviously one's a firm. same character even <laughs> got to say it like he does too exit. Uh, Stage right. Good, good choice. I'm glad you uh, got the Laugh Olympics because we'll get the other one later. <laughs> Hell yeah! There we go, Dave. My number four. Tony? Number four, yeah. Hello world, here's a song that we're singing. Come on, get happy. Please tell me you guys also had this on your list, and I'm just the one who added highest. Tell you me. added highest. Okay. I added eight. Okay. Wasn't mine. Nine. Yeah. The, I mean, we're talking about family shows, and unlike Tunney's family at number 10, it is this on is, my list. It's a family. This, this is the better 
show with family in the title. <laughs> it's Partridge Family, David Cassidy. I, I mean, just, yeah, it, it's... Shirley Jones, Shirley man. Jones, on, man. Uh, yeah, it, it just... Um, man. <laughs> I saw that, Asa. What's wrong I, with you? I man? know. I mean, I mean, the bus, the bus by itself is, is iconic enough to warrant inclusion on any of these lists. But yeah, it's just, it's just a great 70s show about another extended family, you know, single mom. I, whatever happened to the dad? Did they ever say what happened to the father and Partridge family? Or did he just bail? He died. He, did he die? Military okay. accident. Okay. <laughs> or yeah, so, um, go ahead, guys. My, my favorite Partridge family story uh, actually comes out of the, the behind the music episode of vh1 where danny bonaducci talks about how david cassidy was pissed that he didn't know how to play a bass because he kept strumming the bass instead of plucking it and that david cassidy like threatened him if he didn't start learning how to pluck the bass and, and of course let's just talk about how great danny bonaducci turned out after that show <laughs> nothing nothing went wrong whatsoever nothing went wrong with, with any of with these danny. kids after they got done with partridge family wow there's <laughs> A misstatement, if ever there was. But the show itself was great, and and the kids. Were oh fantastic. yeah, it was. It was totally a fun show. Like it was fun, like driving around, gig to gig, and very, you know, very. Uh, it was it was a Brady Bunch knockoff, kind of. Like not even kind of, it kind of was. Kind of was. Then the Brady Bunch knocked off them with the variety. Of, they, anyway, they were knocking we'll each other talk. off. There you go. Anyway, uh, I I have no qualms. With with that pick at number four, and uh, we we'd go to your number three, Dave, but we can't because somebody else has it higher on their list. Thank God. And we'd go to my and we'd <laughs> go to my number. We'd go to my number three, but we can't because it's higher on somebody else's list. Which means we go to Tunney's number three, which is not on anybody else. Monday, Monday, happy days. Tuesday, Wednesday, happy days. Thursday, Friday, happy days. The weekend comes, my cycle humps. A story about a family in Kenosha, Wisconsin, nonetheless, <laughs> brother. The, the, the family. The the family. And, of course, one of the most iconic characters in television history, Fonzie. Uh, just a great show. I, I enjoy watching this show. Um, Scott Bale comes in later on this show, uh, and then they have a spinoff with him and, uh, I think, Joni Loves Chachi, correct? This show spun uh, off several shows. Laverne and Shirley's a spinoff from this show. Exactly. That, too. Uh, but just a just a great fun time of a show it's interesting i think they change characters come in and out a couple times like an older brother or something like that and um but yeah ron howard young ron howard and um obviously Tom Bosley, but that we have a henry winkler statue in milwaukee of the fonz actually so i don't know if any other character we're going to talk about today has hey do you know statue. do you know do you know weezer was on an episode of, oh wait no they weren't um they just did a video there yeah, what's with these honkies dissing <laughs> <laughs> my wow. Why they got a bad? My goodness, yeah. Um, and on that note, let's just, I guess, let Aesop keep on the microphone. Really? No one had it, or did did it get skipped? 
No, I think we all consider this a grander scheme of things that have started probably in the 30s, then moved into the 40s and 50s, well, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s. Right and now, they're still currently making different kind of Merry Melodies things with those but characters. But the Merry Melodies know, show. I appreciate you bringing it up. 70s. So uh, that's why it gets put there. I mean, for me, it was the Saturday. So. It's a Saturday morning cartoon compilation of shit that was made before the no, decade that it was aired in. So, like, it, I thought about Looney Tunes, and then because I care about rules, I, I didn't fall. I, I didn't fall through. But I understand your argument. I, I hear your argument. Uh, I've considered it, and it's your list. So, you know, Dave specifically two weeks ago said fuck the rules entirely. So, what does it matter anymore right. anyway? Um, specifically the Mary Melody show. And that was started and aired in the seventies. So it's not like, I I, I, I see the logic. I I understand. understand though, but I get you also, there was a fair amount of seventies specific, you know, made cartoons in that Mary Melody. Wrong, 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 fucking wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> I love this show. Hey, so I'm just messing with you, man. You don't have to. No, pal. Uh, this is the same face I've been making all all day. I think I'm just sore. <laughs> That's what she said. Hey, um, Tony. No, not Tony. Me. Asa, you're Give number two. Skipped. Show with tonight's guest star, Mr. Joel Gray. Yeah, uh, I mean, we already covered the Muppet Show, um, but sorry, this is going to be on my comedy list too. Be prepared, people. Um, you have three of your lists. It, you're damn fucking straight. It will be because it is that important of a show to me. And uh, I mean, I already have a bunch of fucking shows. You know, clearly my number nine will be talked about very shortly. I had that in uh, an earlier show in the variety one as well. Uh, so, you know, Schoolhouse Rock I had in variety. But guess what? These shows transcend genres, people. They can fit. And if they are that important to you like they are to me, I'm going to place them in the damn list again because they are that important. And the Muppet show needs to be talked about again and, uh, or at least acknowledged. So that's why I put it at number two. So, uh, my, it's not a response or a rebuttal, but my approach, and I think this is similar to what Tony's approach is. I, I really do shoot for only like using a show once throughout the course of a project. Uh, and I was, and I'm saving, you know, spoiler alert, the Muppet show will be on my comedy one as well. Uh, and, and it's funny. I was rewatching a couple of episodes, uh, about a week or so ago, just for funsies. It's kind of a great show to have run continuously in the background of, of while you're doing other stuff. Um, and I got to this episode where Statler and Waldorf are heckling, Kermit the Frog as he's announcing the opening act of the show and Kermit's like well what would you do if it was you and and Statler and Waldorf 
uh, sing a whole song and do a whole routine about how the opening of their show would be a burlesque show. And, and it's just a reminder that Jim Henson and Frank Oz's and David Gull's like their humor was not limited to children. And even though so many people thought that the Muppet show and Muppets were for children, they did not see it that way. Uh, and, and the comedy itself is very adult comedy um, on, on many levels as well that goes over children's heads. Um, and so you'll see it later on my list, but I can't argue with the Muppet show. The Muppet show was on Saturday mornings when I was a kid. And, so, and yeah. you know, I, I, definitely did it when we were doing our movie lists like i did not pick the same movies in multiple ones but like i said i i think with tv especially it is different um because sure. TV had that frequent viewing aspect right and uh, like to me television is more important than film that's just to me i don't know how everyone right. else feels and you're entirely entitled to your opinion but it, the Muppet Show is just one of those sh uh, TV shows that is so important to so much of what I have become as a person and, you know, my day to day life and whatever. It's going to be in three out of my three lists at this point. Sorry, I miss dramas, so I won't make that one. But fair enough. I had it on my variety list, but I can co completely understand where Aesop's coming from today, especially, you know, you could call them up at show their very own family of puppets. Huh. Look at you. All right. Um, well, for that, you're getting skipped. Um, <laughs> not, not, not because, not because I'm mad at you, but because somebody has your number two is their number one. Um, and that brings it to me and my number two. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Batman. And the number one chair shot villain, Patrick O'Dowd. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, in the Legion of Doom. Meanwhile, Dave, where was this on your list, man? I got to know. Number three. Number three. Okay. I, I kind of figured I when I skipped it. Like, I was like, I know Dave had, like, he's always talked so fondly about the Super Friends, oh, which, wrestled, by the way. I wrestled hard with the, where to place this one. Can, can I just say, though, holy shit, did this show age poorly. Um, it's fucking, I, I went back and watched it on HBO max. When we first got HBO max, I was like, super friends is on there. I love this show. And I turn it on and I'm watching it. And I'm like, and I'm like, this is, where's this go? Somebody stole a bike. The, the Joker stole somebody's bike. Um, and then I was like, how, how much this show's an hour. What do we do this for an hour? And, and I couldn't, I couldn't finish it. And it was like, this is, this is a show that I loved as a child. It held my attention as a child. It is boring as fuck and did not age at all very well. But it will forever hold a very fond place in my heart and therefore was the number two show on my list. Hooray for uh, racial stereotype superheroes. Woo. Apache chief. 
Well, whatever. At Black least a lightning. bad chief. How about just samurai? Yeah. <laughs> like they didn't yep. even try. Dodge up. <laughs> hey, they they brought ISIS into the uh, Super Friends of or the Justice League. I mean, later iterations were much better than the original was, show. Well, I remember what was the one with the kid and the dog? Um, there was that version. Then they added the Wonder Twins. Um, that was a Wonder later tw- version. Wonder like, Twins, man. Woo. Hey, man, they Four had Plastic up. Man. Plastic Man was the bomb. It was cool. So. I, I can't pretend like I actually when the Legion of Doom became like the real thing for that show, that was that was kind of fun and cool. And I loved that. Though. It was just like, how did we, the Scarecrow get to be a part of the Legion of Doom? Like, I mean, what? Pat, Pat, were you talking about like Wendy and Marvin? Yes. <laughs> Marvin. Yeah. And Wonder Mutt. I, I was like, wait a second. No, Wonder Dog. It was Wonder Dog. Wonder Dog. Yeah. Right. I was like, who the fuck are those kids? Oh, yeah, that's right. Did they not have the rights to Snapper Car, or why is Marvin in here at this point in time? <laughs> Just like, <laughs> right, what is right. going on? <laughs> what is your purpose? It it made no sense, but I I thoroughly enjoyed that show, and yeah, I, th- I thought Dave, I thought you would have it number two or number one yourself. So, it's, but number three, I get it. Top three for you? Yeah, I mean, like you're saying, it, it's it was it was the show. I mean, the Super Friends in right. back in the day, and then. It did. It got better once you got the Legion of Doom involved, not, you know, the Road Warriors, the other Legion of Doom. Then there's the stories got there were actually stakes involved instead of like the Joker stole a bike. You know, that's like Thanos riding around in a helicopter. Right, Pat? I mean, it's comparable. Just fucking goofy. Right. Uh, just, shout, out, oh. shout out to the greatest episode where Bizarro makes uh, a whole bunch of Bizarro clones of other characters like uh, also like. Alfred Bizarro, the the Alfred Pennyworth Butler from Bizarro World. I, I was I was always a big fan of any episode with Mister Mixelplink. Um, that was always those were always fun. Um, uh, all right, Bizarro did that too. Uh, Mister Kitpazigzum. Yes. Honey, <laughs> were you were you about to speak? I was going to add. I'm going to add on to what you're about to say. I think. Oh, I was going to skip Dave because it's time to get into everybody's number ones. And Dave's number two is somebody else's number one. Uh, And so if we want to hit Dave's number one, we can get rolling with that. Four different number ones and four of the greatest uh, TV sound uh, themes ever, too. So that's what I was going to add. Gotcha. Here's the story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. All of them had hair of gold, like their mother, the youngest one in curls. It's the story of a man named Brady, who was busy with three... Yeah, so this is my number one, and all I'll say is that, was it anybody else's number one? Tony's number two. Yeah, you finally got the right... number ten. You finally got the right family at the end, Tony. Good job. So... No, he didn't, because it's not his number one family. It's his number two. It's my family. number two family. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, look, for this show to be able to beat Super Friends and my number two, which I know we're going to talk about, is, is is a testament to just what a great show it was. And it went on for years, and, and you got to see the kids grow up. That was the best part of the show, is like seeing the kids go from really kind of little, like Cindy and Bobby, and having them grow up to like teenagehood. And the stories got more mature as they went along, but hey. Greg Brady is Johnny Bravo. I mean, if the suit fits, that's kind of where 
it all comes from. Mike Brady, next to Mr. Rogers, Mike Brady might be the uh, the quintessential family dad, even though behind the scenes, maybe not so much. But He's a garbage. <laughs> but beyond that, like it would, you know, the Brady's were everybody's family back in the seventies. So, you know, the, the Hawaii episodes, those have always been my favorites with the Tiki idol. Those have, were always my favorite. That and the great. Yeah. So yeah, Brady bunch. Number one, no, no show came close as far as family shows in the seventies for me. I just love the, the, the Tiki idol noise. That was, yes. that was the whole thing. So Tar- tarantulas crawling up to tarantulas in Hawaii. Really? Well, I don't know, but maybe, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't bring non, you know, native plant or animal life to places when you travel. It's Greg, really rude. Greg getting wiped out by that wave and everybody freaking out for two weeks. Is he alive or dead? You know, it's just so. Stupid. Well, wasn't he banging the mom too? Tony, we don't no, have to go there. That's your other family no, show. That is not a. That is not a thing that they happened. weren't banging. They, like on a, they they like went on one date because she felt sorry for him. That oh, is the story. Like a- I thought it was like a brawling brutes kind of thing, banger. No, no, it was not like that, but nice try. Um, Anyway, now that it's awkward again, uh, let's go to my number two, please. And let's make it more weird after that conversation. Is this so, your number two or your number one, Pat? This is my number one. Okay, you said number two. Sorry. No, I said... Oh, did I? Anyway. <laughs> um, so, for an hour and a half every day on PBS, you know, with, with, with Mr. Rogers, at least where my PBS was played, Mr. Rogers and, and Sesame Street were back-to-back. And so, I'd get an hour, it was either an hour, an hour and a half of Sesame Street, and then half an hour of Mr. Rogers. That was that was my morning block every day. And the thing, you know, we talked about what makes Mr. Rogers special. We talked about Sesame Street, I do believe, on the variety uh episode as well, because we talked about the like my favorite sketch of all time is the is the Cookie Monster ABC conversation. Though uh Grover as the waiter who keeps messing up for the poor guy who's just trying to order, you know, a sandwich or or something. It, it was just it was a show that was fun. Um, and much like Mr. Rogers was, was, you know, was it insulting to children or the grownups that had to watch them with their children? And it's the type of programming that is is so special today that they still make Sesame Street that it, it just doesn't seem like it's never going to be the children's television workshop gets to be its own entity. Um, and Jim Henson really wanted it that way. Uh, there's no real crossover, very little crossover outside of uh, Kermit the Frog between any other Muppet creation and Sesame Street. It was protected and it was special. And yet um, it was so meaningful to children and still meaningful to children everywhere. It's where so many children begin to learn how to do things that count, read, learn about other people, learn about life. That's how I learned about people dying. Mr. Hooper, Mr. Hooper's death. like. And learning how to deal with that, that was that was where I learned that was in Sesame Street. So, I uh, yeah, I couldn't for me, I, I I didn't even have to work on the rest of the list or, or work on this this part of the list. This was number one with me, and it was without question. 
great call. It's a, no yeah, one of the most no TV shows of all time. Yeah. 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 Oh. All right, Tony. You're number one, sir. From Television City in Hollywood. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. As you guys snicker, but they were number well, one. No, I got a bone to pick long. with you on this shit. I got a bone to pick. Tell, you talk, yeah. do your talking, and I'm picking the bone. The Bunker Go family. Ahead. Yeah. People would say that this show brought reality to TV entertainment in the 70s, and they were way up on the ratings list throughout the 70s. Go ahead, Patrick. Pick away. You went after Dave and I hard over yeah. MASH and okay. talking about MASH as a drama, and I oh, yeah. couldn't imagine it being on any other list. Are nope. you going to pony up and double up all in the family on comedy? Well, just There's like a... you did today, because you didn't, you tried to go after us hard over MASH and whether yeah, or not I would put it I on the show. You <laughs> I did. did. I did. You did. So I let's put hear it. MASH on a list, and I have all in the family, all in the family on the family list for the Bunker family, which also produced yeah, the their sitcom own which produced all their in the own. family. Yeah, but it also produced their own sitcom family with all the spinoffs like the Jeffersons, Archie Bunker's Place, Maud, Gloria, Good Times, and 704 Hauser. So I don't know what could be more of a family show than that. I'm glad you don't have kids, Tony. That's all I'm going to say, man. Yeah, right. I think, I think we're all, like I said before, in all honesty, this was made room for more more comedy. It, it, it's a comedy that, show. I grant you that. This, I understand that. I, that. I am going to say this on this show, and I'm going to say what? this in two weeks. All in the Family, not on your comedy list, in my opinion, is a travesty. That is a travesty, sir. I try to I try to give as many shows exposure he, on this wonderful podcast. He knows it's going to be on one of our lists. He knows it's going to be on one of our lists. Yeah, like I Sesame Street because you had it already. I'm just trying right, to do the world a favor, Patrick, Okay. You're doing the world no favors. You're insulting yeah. the audience, sir. PC Times, the hero no one wanted. <laughs> but the one we all Poor need right, but the one we all need right now. <laughs> they call me we favors for days, of. baby. Favors for days. That's what they call me. Is that what you call a hand uh, job? Uh, I mean, you got to be that was funny. This, this, but no, this is a, such a family-friendly episode. Family this, show. Yeah, we have, talk about we have done. Let's, let's run this down. The Concentration. Concentration camps today on the bandwagon. Inappropriate sex jokes on the bandwagon. <laughs> Look at the president. Families based on adultery. Yeah, yeah. yeah fa- family family shows. Based. Yeah, we talked about. Like we we have really hit all the bases today. And Aesop, bring us home with your life. How is it that the family show episode, by the way, of the '70s show has been? The most inappropriate show, like just the most wrong show that, that we've done in a be, long time. That needs to be a bandwagon uh, nerd's shirt. Is family shows are inappropriate. That's right. what it means. <laughs> family shows are inappropriate. Hey, sub, what's your number one, man? Let's 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 go home. Dooby dooby doo, where are you? We got some work to do now. Scooby Dooby Doo, where are you? We need some help from you now. Yeah. Come on, Scooby Doo, I see you. 
I was not specific about this because Scooby Doo had so many fucking TV shows in the seventies. Right. And it's ridiculous. Uh, like literally, I wrote I wrote them down. So we had uh Where Are You Scooby Doo, right? The new Scooby Doo movies, uh the Scooby Doo show, Scooby Doo slash Dynamut Hour, Scooby and Scrappy Doo, and then Scooby Doo's All Star Laugh Olympics. Like the dude just did not stop. The do just did not stop. And that's what I was trying to say uh, before that I broke my own rule. I had totally intended on putting our all cartoons. But then as I looked through them, they're all fucking Scooby-Doo. They really are. <laughs> and oh. I could not in good conscience put, uh, you know, Jabberjar was my one, but like Funky Phantom speed buggy goober and the ghost chasers speed the buggy. amazing chan clan I, I mean like um hong kong fooey well uh, hong kong fooey is not exactly the same thing but um josie and the pussycats like they're all scooby-doo it's all scooby-doo people and like we we joke about it's it's always star wars yeah it's all scooby-doo at this point so uh, that's why Scooby-Doo yeah. goes here because he is easily the most iconic figure to come out of the seventies. Jinkies. Shaggy. Uh, Scooby snacks for the win. All right. What? So real quick, let's quickly around, around the horn. Best Scooby-Doo guest character or characters. Harlem Globetrotters. Agreed. Tony. It's Carol Channing. Phyllis Diller. The fuck are you talking about? It's Phyllis Diller, man. Carol Channing. Whatever. Yeah, Dolly but, Levi yeah. herself. You know, that's another one. You had the Super Globe Trotters, right? Like right. another show that is literally just Scooby Doo, just with Scooby Doo. Big fan of Scrappy Doo well, too. Scrappy. No, no, no. fucking fuck Scrappy. I like Scrappy Doo. Scrappy Doo is the Oliver of fucking Scooby Doo. That's what you got there. That's right. Scrappy dude. We didn't even talk That's about our, we didn't even talk about cousin Oliver. Jeez. We did not talk about cousin. There's a reason you don't talk about cousin Oliver. Because he's trash. Don't, don't talk about Bruno. That's, That's great. no Bruno is not. We're not. We're not talking Encanto. Um, uh, yeah, I, I. It's it's hilarious and it's funny because like people are very protective of Scooby Doo as as things have been made later on as as different. For like the the reaction to the Velma show that is on HBO Max right now is very negative. Um, whether that's because of Mindy, everything. right? Like, and, and really, Mindy Kaling's taking the brunt of uh, of that. But it's you know, my kid loves Scooby Doo. I think everybody's kid still watches Scooby Doo on some level. Cartoon Network um, and Boomerang do like a weekend movie. And it's always a Scooby-Doo movie because they keep making them out. Uh, they keep Eddie, making them. Eddie Izzard has a really funny bit about Scooby-Doo where he tells Americans traveling to Europe, tell people you're Canadian and that you like Scooby-Doo because everybody likes Scooby-Doo. That sounds like a sound plan. Um, also, other my, my runner-up for uh, guests on the Scooby-Doo show, when Scooby-Doo met the Adams family. That's a, that's a oh, classic. That's a good one. Call. Batman and Robin, yep. Uh, excellent, excellent. A lot of great guests. Uh, and a fine way to wrap up that 70s project 
week three family shows. Next week, we're going to action. Very excited for the action shows. I got some some very specific ones that I can't wait to talk about next week. Uh, and so I'm hopeful that we'll be able to do the justice that we can. Gentlemen, thank you for solid lists. Still mad about all in the family. I don't know if I'm going to let that one go, Tony. But uh, it's your list. So as we say, we embrace what's, everyone's uniqueness. What's more I, egregious? I, something. Putting in all in the family there or endorsing Scrappy-Doo? I, you know, it's really tough. It's almost as bad as putting the love boat on as a drama. But we'll just uh, <laughs> we'll leave that for another discussion point. Next week will be a busy week for all of us. This is, we are recording on Super Bowl Sunday. It is, we are going to have, I think next week's going to be a longer show, guys, because we can't avoid a trailer park for post-Super Bowl. Super Bowl is always a big movie trailer for lease, and there are a ton of big ones that are going to hit uh, by the time we get to next week's show. So we're definitely going to have to cover that. We're going to have to talk about Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. Uh, so for those of you that might be waiting to watch, telling you now, it's not going to be a spoiler-free episode of Bandwagon Nerds next week. So be prepared for that. Plus, we are going to do our top 10 action shows of the 1970s. Loaded program, and I'm excited to do it. This week, however, though, we are going to wrap up and head on out of here. But before we do, let's tell everybody where to find us on the interwebs and on the ChairShot Radio Network. This week, I'm going to go counterclockwise and start with the picture below me, Brady Bunch style. David Ungar, I'm going to look down at you. Yeah, you can find me in the uh, concentration camp with Aesop, apparently. So that's uh, that's where we're going to be this week. But uh, as far as the Twitterverse goes, at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, Facebook.com forward slash Attitude of Aggression. And then we will move to my right diagonally. Hello, gentlemen, Aesop Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm with the in the camps with Dave Ungar and I'm the youngest of Jesus everyone Christ. here, that makes me the <laughs> boy in the striped pajamas. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter. You can look at Violent ASAP at Dave and Cudahy. You can also listen to Down the Wire and uh, definitely listen to Down the Wire because that's fun. Uh, talking professional sports in unprofessional ways. Be prepared. We're going to have a Super Bowl uh, episode tonight, so that's going to be great. And immediately to my right, Mr. Saturday Night PC, Tony. Yeah, just keep listening to everything Chairshot Radio Network. You know, we got sports like Down the Wire. We got entertainment like Bandwagon Nerds and a plethora of sports entertainment podcasts right here on the road to WrestleMania. Follow me at PC Tunney. Send your hate mail to add it's me DPP. Fuck that guy. Or send your hate mail to my burner account it, at it's pets not a Nazi dot Twitter dot com. I'm not a Nazi. Oh, I thought I thought Truth it was at its rate. It's at its rate cash. I thought your burner account was. I was gonna say at its. I couldn't. I couldn't make a Nazi joke with Ray. I couldn't do it to Ray. Like I thought about it. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like you know what? That's you, a bridge Ray. too far. You, That's a bridge too far even for me. Ray's not a Nazi. Everyone. And I'm not a Nazi either. Let's drop this talk. You can follow me <laughs> at Wrestling Realist. <laughs> oh, shit, Greg. Greg's going to fire me. Um, listen, Greg, listen, listen. Nazi talk equals ratings, okay? I can see. There's your defense. <laughs> Hold up. Don't even get started with this. We're going to go back to the comic book episode real fast. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, there is that. 
All right. You can follow me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Be sure to follow the show as well on the Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds at just how it's spelled. You can listen to me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Monday with these guys on Bandwagon Nerds. Tuesdays with David Ongar doing Hockey Talker or Musical Chairs. And Wednesdays talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Now get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun. Gather up all those snacks. Talk about all those Super Bowl trailers because it's going to be a good one. Thank you. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. something please, i got please. I, I got something just for you bro. oh yeah oh good, just good. for you just oh, go for ahead you. go ahead goes like this oh boy oh okay, you got here, that you okay got here, here. me right. do it now i'm going to do it okay here okay, we go okay, okay. now we gotta try it it was almost right not close huh? gotta put a little more feeling into it Nuts and fruit cakes, and sometimes I think I'm gonna go the same way. Oh, no. Oh, be prepared, Edith. If I gotta ride them subways another two years, you're gonna have to check me into a rubber room. Oh, wait, that's funny. I was coming home. I'm talking, Edith. (laughs) I'm coming home tonight, and it's sardine time again. Here's a guy pressed up against me so close, his buttons are making permanent dents in my flesh, see? (laughs) So there we are. We're riding nose to nose, and he starts talking to his daughter. What's the matter with that? She wasn't there. (laughs) 
then on top of that, the bum behind me had beans for lunch. I could tell by the way he smiled at me. Do you think what David said is true? How can a dumb old piece of wood give you bad luck? Unless it hits you in the head. Forget about it, Bobby. Dave said it was just an old superstition, didn't he? Yeah. Well, anyway, I don't think I want it anymore. That's dumb. You want it? Sure, why not? It'll make a great souvenir. Okay, take it. Bad luck, come and get me. And I'd have done it, too, if you kids hadn't have come along. And I'd have found it if it wasn't for you snoopers. You blasted kids. Why didn't you mind your own business? Yes, might have gotten away with it, too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dogs. Blasted meddling kids. And it would have been mine if it hadn't been for those meddling kids. And I would have made millions if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. Meddling young fools. They've gotten away with their king's ransom. And I wish you'd have minded your own business. Well, in this case, it's police business. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.